Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles, if you would, and find Romans chapter 12, verses uh, 13 and following. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 and following there. Got a little bit of an echo going there. Appreciate that. Thank you for taking care of it. It is a, a lot's happening today in the life of our church, and uh, we're looking forward to it uh, toward the end of the service. We know that our children are going to be singing today, and then they're going to sing at the beginning of the other service, so you can come back here it again if you like as well. And then after our children sing, what well, you have had in your bulletins, and we've even uh, sent you by email a list of our uh, men who are candidates for uh, deacon selection, and that's going to take place today at the end of both services. So ha after the sermon today, if you hang loose, be ready, anticipate the children, and then don't leave just yet because uh, particularly those who are members, uh, we're going to have you participate in our deacon selection. It will take about five minutes, then you'll be dismissed to Sunday school. If you are a guest today, we're certainly glad that you've come, and uh, you want to hang around for the children, of course, and if you do leave during the deacon selection, come out toward the foyer. We'd, be, we'd love to greet you and have a gift for you, certainly there as well. We are in Romans chapter 12 as we continue in our series on Live Like You Believe. Romans chapter 12 and verse 14, and this now is the Word of God. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, please? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. And you may be seated. would like to take maybe just a point of personal privilege, if it is okay. It is good to see what uh, we have considered a miracle coming into the church. Jeremy Jones has come in today. and It was just a few Sundays ago. He had, uh, he had suffered a stroke on a Sunday morning, as a matter of fact, and, but many miracles have taken place to, to see what is taking place today to have him come be a part of our service and been in our prayers ever since and continue to be. But Jeremy and Beth, we're glad to see you this morning. And uh, let's, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now recognizing that we have a good God who loves us and cares for us. We thank you, Father, how you continue to be at work. We give you all praise, honor, and glory for all the good things that you have done, miracles that we've seen take place, and church members in our own lives. We thank you, Father, that we can depend upon you even during our lowest times. And now, Father, we come confessing our sins, bringing our needs before the altar, knowing that you want to continue to care for us. And we pray, Father, for today, for all the events taking place today, for our worship services and Bible study, fellowship times, activities. We pray, Father, for a deacon selection process that will take place. Thank you for these men that you use as uh, servant leaders in our church. And we pray, Father, that your will will continue to be done. We thank you, Father, for the time here together. Pray for this hour. Thank you that we've been able to bring praise. Father, continue to use our time together even now as we look at your word. It's in Christ's name that we lift these prayers. Amen and amen. You have probably 
heard it on the news or maybe you've even seen it on social media that Ellen DeGeneres and George, President George Bush have been chummy with one another. They've been caught laughing and talking to one another in the, in the owner's booth at the Dallas Cowboy Green Bay Packers game the other day along with Laura Bush and owner Jerry Jones and uh, been a lot of backlash I guess on social media, a lot of criticism that has come overarching is how could you be friendly with to those kinds of people and you understand I'm making it more uh, <clears throat> a little much nicer and maybe church friendly format to Ellen DeGeneres' credit her response has been much more cordial she said just because I don't agree with someone does not mean I'm not going to be friends when I say be kind to everyone I don't mean just the people that think the same way that you do I mean be kind to everyone now, I got to tell you Never thought that I'd be quoting Ellen from the pulpit, but this is an illustration. It's a message, and to be kind to everyone, she was not the first one to say it, you understand. It was said first and foremost by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is what is to be proclaimed in the church by all followers and believers in Jesus. It is to be kind to everyone. Now, if you feel like you need to send an email over this illustration, please be kind and nice. Be kind to everyone, even the preacher. The Bible is a very practical book because God knows not everybody will always be loving towards you. Not everybody's always going to be kind. Sometimes people can be outright mean. In fact, Jesus said that you can expect this very thing, particularly if you follow Jesus closely. But Jesus and the Bible instruct you to not follow in like manner as the children of God. You're not to be mean to people just because people are mean to you, though it's a, our nature and often our tendency to do just that. That's why we have God's Word to instruct us, to encourage us in life and in our relationships. You have to make the choice. He gives us the better way to treat each other. This morning we're talking about how to respond when life or people treat you unfairly. This text will help you in your relationships. These lessons are not just my lessons. In fact, they are lessons that I need, but these are truths that are taken from the Scripture, various Scriptures in which we read, and we'll look at some other Scriptures as well. But you have your notes there, hopefully, to kind of help you to follow along as we do, and they'll be on the screen as well. But one of the lessons I think that we learn from this particular text is that we need to surprise people by doing good. Surprise people by doing good. Paul's writing to the believers in Rome, and there's a shift in the instructions he's giving between verses 13 and in 14, in the previous verses, the very verses we read last week, Paul's writing about particularly how Christians are to treat each other. I want to remind you once again, verses 10 through 13 says this, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Saints being another word for believers, though we don't always feel that saintly. And then seek to show hospitality. Primarily speaking, how we are to treat one another as believers in Christ. How do we treat one another as the church? Even though that word hospitality, the last word used there, is a, actually a compound of two words that means love and stranger. So it could be even those outside the church. But in verse 14 that we read just a moment ago, Paul begins to definitely make a shift to focus to also include how Christians act toward people outside the church who might mistreat them because they were believers. But we know 
sometimes believers can even be mistreated within the church and by fellow Christians and church members and sometimes even their own families. You see, this church in Rome and even many churches around the world today, Paul's writing particularly the church in Rome maybe to help them through some persecutions that they are facing. But we be real honest. I mean, the kinds of persecutions that the church of Rome was facing, even the kind of persecutions that... Christians are facing in different parts of the world, we don't have those same kinds of challenges. We're thankful for that, but there's often a downside to that as well because sometimes if we're not being persecuted from outside the church, we have a tendency to have more conflict within the church. Now, we ought not to have that, but we do. We should use our freedoms and our lack of persecution to busy ourselves with evangelizing the world, but Satan knows if he can... Busy, get us busy with inner struggles and conflicts and focusing on ourselves. We'll forget the world, not have the time to worry with lost people. Is it okay if I say this? We're fortunate as members of the Parkway Baptist Church that our inner struggles, at least as of late, are a minimal. They really are. We still have some. We're far from perfect. We'll still continue to deal with these. And when we do have these, we seek to deal with these in a biblical manner. While Paul's main concern... To those who were non-believers, we want to make application to those who are outside the church, maybe even to church members, family members, neighbors, classmates, or friends. And the first thing that we're taught is to be kind, do good to all, and to some it will surprise. In every relationship we have, be it a believer or not, be it a friend or someone we consider an enemy, here's some very practical advice on how to defuse potential conflicts and how to treat others who do evil to us. And the answer is found in scriptures and the very verses that we read. Bless those who persecute. Do not repay evil with evil. Feed and give drink to enemies. Overcome evil with good. Now, these are not brand new thoughts. Matter of fact, Jesus taught us these very same things. And that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. This is not new to God's way of thinking, but different to the way most people think today. Retaliation is the natural thing to do, but getting back at others is not for those who follow the one who told his disciples to turn the other cheek. Relationships for the Christian is important because if it's with another Christian, we're just not forming a relationship for today or next week or even for the next few months or years. My goodness, we're making relationships that are going to last throughout eternity. And if we're having a relationship and seek to be able to be at peace with those who are outside the church or people who are lost, well, you might be the closest thing to Jesus that they will ever meet. Well, that's a scary thought, isn't it? This passage does not just apply to people we might meet on the street or mean to us or someone who might have gotten the best of us in a one-time business deal, but it also applies to those who are the closest to us. These passages and thoughts apply to our family members, to our co-workers, to friends and people we go to school and church with. So today we're learning how to disarm or diffuse what could be an explosive situation and keep friends and lose enemies by doing them good. We're told not what, what not to do. What does the scripture say? Do not curse those who persecute us. Well, we might want to do that very thing when something happens. So we might might be how we feel. Literally, but it means not just what we say, but it means that 
we do not want the worst for them. We don't want and don't speak ill of them. And, and really can't get much clearer except for maybe the, uh, the application of it. Do not repay evil with evil. So we're told what not to do. And that's hard enough. But if we're serious about disarming explosive relationships, if we not just in what we do not do, it will be by taking positive action, by blessing those who persecute us. We do that by asking for God's blessings on them. Praying that they might enjoy God's blessings of God. The word bless is where we get the word eulogize. And where do you hear that? Sometimes at a funeral, but eulogize actually means to speak well of. Now come on now. Is this for real? Not only are we not to beat people up and not to curse them and get them back for what they did to us, we're supposed to pray for them, speak well of them, help them in their need. That's right. Not being mean is not the same thing as being kind. In other words, well, I didn't do anything to them. Well, that's not the same thing as being kind. We remember what Jesus said, or excuse me, what the New Testament tells us. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. For the Lord understands our thoughts and feelings toward others. After all, He has created our emotions. He knows what you're thinking before you do. As a Christian, we want to do what's right and good and best, but our old self is still lurking, and when somebody wrongs us, we want to get them back. But we don't always have to act out our thoughts and feelings. Often, we want to do the opposite of what someone has done to you. Often, you want to do the opposite of what you're thinking <laughs> and what you're thinking about doing or how you feel. Is it right to do good for somebody even when you don't feel like it? I mean, is that being less than genuine? It does depend on your purpose for doing it. If it's to make you look good or is it really for their benefit? But here's what will happen you begin to do what you know is right or what is good or something for others. And maybe if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure if my motives and my heart's really in it. But the more you do it and the longer you do it, the more you will genuinely want what is best for the person more than you ever thought possible. After all, the Lord's always working on our motivations. We always want to do what's right. If we waited till our motivations were right and clear and pure, pure and perfect, well, we would probably have a long time to wait. Here's a good rule of thumb. Treat enemies like friends and friends like family. Joseph was one of the best examples of that in the Old Testament. After his brothers were jealous and hated him, they wanted to kill him. They sold him into slavery. And Joseph rose to power in the land of Egypt. And think of all the things that he could have done. He could have refused to feed them during the famine. He could have put them in prison as thieves. He could have uh, taken their lives as enemies of Egypt, but he didn't. As a reflection of the Christ to come, he forgave them and accepted them back as family. How surprised, go back and read the story at the end of Genesis, how surprised they were. Not only that it was Joseph, how surprised they were, how well Joseph treated them. Listen. You want to have a little more joy in life? You want to have a little more fun in life? Surprise people by doing good. Surprise people, particularly those who would not expect it or maybe those who have even maybe not been so good to you. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. It'll bring you so much more joy. But we also learn from this passage. We also learn that we need to invest in people by putting others first. 
Nothing will try tie believers and friends together more than sharing both joy and pain. For many, the good life is to be detached, to be uncaring, to not get too involved with some people. That's not, but that's not consistent with Christian teaching. In the Christian community, it's not one against the world. It's one family caring for one another, seeking to reach out to others. We're to have the same mind. The Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Want what's best for each other. Care for one another without partiality. Share in each other's joys and sorrows. Have some empathy and understanding. You ever run into those people who are just cheerful all the time? I mean, they've always got a smile on their face. They're just bringing sunshine every time they walk into the room. Don't they make you sick to your stomach? I'm just kidding, of course. You know, there's a, there's a passage in, uh, in the Proverbs, and this is how it says it in the message. A cheerful greeting to a person in grief is like a slap in the face on a cold day. We weep with those who weep. Jesus was a good example to both, but Jesus was a good example. We went to the friend of Lazarus actually four days after he was dead and buried. And the Bible says when Jesus was, saw her weeping and the Jews had come along also with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and troubled. And Jesus wept. One bad example. It's the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. When the younger brother came home, the loving father threw the welcome home party. The older brother would not even enter the house because he had never had a party thrown for him. And instead of rejoicing with those who were rejoicing, the Bible says, Luke chapter 15, your brother has come. He replied, your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. One hindrance to investing in others is thinking too highly and too much of yourself. Because I need to tell you that it doesn't matter what your mama told you, it's not all about you. And it's not all about me. You invest in others by identifying with them, seeking to get into their skin a little. Truly feeling and caring for other people, not being jealous when good things happen to others, or secretly finding satisfaction when bad things happen to some people. We wouldn't do that, would we? We're told specifically to take interest in the humble, take interest in ordinary people. Uh, many stories have been told, of course, about Mother Teresa. And for decades, she worked in the slums of Calcutta, India. She helped and befriended the forsaken people, those who were diseased and deformed often, those that we'd rather not think about. In an interview years ago, she said she left Yugoslavia at the age of 18, and her mother told her something strange but beautiful. In her words, she said, You go put your hand in Jesus' hand and walk along with him. She would often take people by the hand off the street who were dying, take them off the street and take them to be cared for in a hospital. And except for a few exceptions of those people, there was no recovery. They would die there. When asked why she would spend so much time on the people who were dying, why not spend more time on people who had more hope? She said it was so that when they died, they would be able to see Jesus. So that they would know that someone loves and cares for them, that they would be able to die with dignity. We need to decide that we will be a people who want to help all kinds of people, who want to love all kinds of people, even people different from us and even people who don't like or love us, so that they will know that someone cares and so that they might meet Jesus. We also find from this passage we need to make peace with people by being a peacemaker. Make peace with people by being a peacemaker. Maker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Christians are to be peacemakers. We need to be 
realistic about ourselves when we've done wrong and we will we need to make amends doing all that we can in our relationships and with one another now understand this is not a peace at any cost or at any price we do not compromise sin nor do we reduce the integrity of the church just not to make waves if the cause of Christ or ministry is being hindered well we might need to disturb the peace a little bit that's the reason it says it says it one reason it says if it is possible live peaceably with all, it may not always be possible. Be realistic. You, want, you may want everybody to like you, but everybody might not like you. You want everybody to accept you, but not everybody might accept you. It may not be possible to live at peace with everyone. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, had a church member come and ask me, an elderly church member, she said, I've been trying to get along with my neighbor said, I just can't get along with her. She said, Brother Pastor, would you, would you go make a visit to her? Maybe you could help. And I thought, well, wasn't the first time I've been asked for something like that. I could do that. I don't mind knocking on the door. So on my way there, I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. He said, but, uh, and this lady had been living alone by herself. I thought, well, maybe, you know, she's partially to blame. I'm just telling you the thoughts I had as I went. And as I knocked on the door and introduced myself, well, she began to tell me what she thought of me, what she thought of our church, what she thought about the neighbor next door and everybody else that she could think of who was a member of our church. As I left, I went over to our church member's house, and I said, ma'am, you've got nothing to worry about. I know what she's thinking. She's thinking I've smoothed everything over. I said, you've got nothing to worry about. Ain't nobody get along with that woman. Sometimes... There will be a greater burden lifted when we come to grips with the fact that we're not responsible for other people's decisions. We have enough trouble handling our own. It may not be possible to live at peace with everyone, but we need to do everything in our power under the Lord's direction with the Holy Spirit's help to take and to be at peace with everyone so that we might be able to have peace in our own life as well. And if we do everything that we can, the Lord will not take His way, His peace from our life. But we need to know what's involved in this phrase, as far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on us, be at peace with all. Well, first of all, you need to pray for the person. You need to pray for that person by name. Pray for their welfare. One thing that uh, difficult people help is your prayer life. We may think sometimes, why is this happening? Why am I having such difficulty with so-and-so? Would it be somebody close to you or somebody you've met? But one reason could be, <laughs> Lord just may want you to pray for, pray more. So pray for that person by name. You may need to make the first move. Make contact if necessary to resolve the issue. Ask forgiveness if necessary. Don't wait for them, particularly with a church member. We're told in Matthew chapter 18 some very particular things that we need to do and Going one-on-one, if that does not resolve, particularly with members, then maybe take one or two closer friends to be able to have a conversation that takes place. But you may need to make the first move. Then go the extra mile. You might need to make more than one contact. Do all that you can to think to help that situation. Make sure it's in the realm of being a peacemaker and not an antagonizer or so that you might get your point across or prove that you are right. There are times that being a peacemaker means keeping your mouth shut. Throwing more wood on the fire does not help the flame go out, but you need to be willing to go the extra mile. 
And then also look for opportunities to do them good. Look for opportunities to do them good. Chances are they will need someone's help one day. They'll face a crisis or a need or a friend. You want to be ready to spring into action. Listen, whether you memorize these or not, hopefully you get the... I kind of feel like we're giving away trade secrets here of how we might be able to make friends and lose enemies. But these are biblical things that we're talking about. And then also, what we understand from this passage, we need to give some people over to the Lord. Give some people over. Trust God to take care of this business. If you ever been wrong, the first thing that you think naturally is how you're going to get them back and someone has said or did something and you become angry and you want to defend yourselves. Well, we all have. And if you've been wrong, resist trying to defend yourself. By doing so, you do not leave room for God to defend you. He will vindicate you. And it's true. Nearly 40 years of ministry, I cannot tell you how many times God has come through with people. God vindicates, not meaning that He gets the person that wrongs you, but as you live above a situation, God will often be sure that the truth of your heart becomes known. Or, God will let you know that even if the truth is never known, it may not matter if your mission first and foremost, or your purpose first and foremost is to glorify God. This is a basic principle of God's Word, living by faith. Leave room for God to do His work as He sees fit. We'll not usually be called on to take care of divine retribution. God takes care of that Himself. And if you're out to take vengeance or hurt someone, you already know there's only one person that's guaranteed to get hurt, and that's you. The victory is won over wrong by doing what's right. While our impulse is to give it back in the same measure, you need to hear and know that it is, no, it is not New Testament to give an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, if it were, we would live in a blind and toothless generation. By absorbing the evil and doing good, it mirrors back to ugliness. Scripture does not say to passively accept evil, but to give back goodness. And by doing so, we heat burning coals on their head. Oh, now that's the part of the passage we like, that if what we might envision that could be. Now, there's been a lot of interpretations exactly what this might mean, increased guilt, burning pains of shame. But Paul's meaning was that this person would realize they're wrong, your goodness to them, and it would hopefully lead them to repentance. It's akin to what we've called melting their heart. Even passages like this quote from the Old Testament, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When we compare that to the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that He wants to draw all people to Himself. And that should be our desire. That regardless of what's happening, that we want to draw all people toward Jesus. We have this promise in Scripture, right will prevail against wrong. We may not always have evidence of that right in front of us, but God's on His throne. All is not right with the world, nor will it be until the Lord Jesus returns. But He will be the avenger of the wicked and the rewarder of the righteous. Meanwhile, he's given us some godly principles to live by. We need to understand that these are not just good rules to live by. They're they not just made up to sound good, but they represent the very character of God. How did God choose to deal with what's not right in the world? How did he overcome evil? Well, he did it by the way of the cross. He did it by the sending of the Son to earth, the one who represents the highest good and is the highest good. 
Remember the words of John 15 and verse 13 where it says this, Greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Then Romans 5 tells us, Jesus laid down his life for us while we were yet enemies. We may truly want to know how to keep friends and lose our enemies literally, but Romans 12 teaches us how to take on the character of God as we serve as the body of His risen Lord. And truly, our only enemies are not flesh and blood, but they are sin, death, and Satan. And Jesus has already conquered those enemies. So we're encouraging you, not just today in the series and all the... Jesus has already conquered all enemies. Live, we believe that, live like you know it's true. Live like we believe it. You know you should do good. But what's your motivation? Well, in a seeking to make it personal today, your motivation should be God's glory, others' good, and my peace. My peace with God, peace with others, and peace with ourselves. Let me ask you, do you know the peace of God today? If you don't know the peace of God, you can know His peace by knowing His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus who gave His life for us. If you don't know Jesus today, we encourage you to give your heart and life to Him. Come to repentance. He accepts you today to be a part of this family as we seek to live for Him you do know Jesus today and you're still thinking sometimes the peace of God seems a little bit out of reach we find that peace of God by seeking his face daily and seeking to live for him so that others may know him as well let's bow together in prayer most gracious heavenly father we thank you for that which the Lord has revealed to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we thank you for the peace that we can have with our Lord peace we can have with others we pray, Father, that we may continue to do all that we can to be at peace with one another and peace with the world so that we might be able to point more people to Jesus. And Father, if there's someone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day that this others call upon you so that they might know you as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for continuing to be at work in our lives. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.